Good morning, church. It's good to see you. Uh, we miss everyone who uh, can't be here, who's traveling, uh, who's out for various reasons. Uh, but Merry Christmas and, uh, and Happy New Year. Uh, it's been cracking me up that each week uh, during this Advent season, the, the media team, and this is not disparaging them, but they've been, you know, the, the, the background of the slides will be like snow falling gently, you know. And I'm just like, that's pretty awesome. So I just put this up here as a background for y'all just so we could, you know, f- pretend like it's cold. Um, and it's a home, so it goes with the theme. But uh, I just, that's just a gift to you guys that we can, <laughs> can pretend like it's not 80 degrees um, the day after Christmas. Uh, I, I hope you guys had a, had a good uh, Christmas yesterday with your families um, and, and in all of the celebrations and everything that, that went on. Uh, I hope you received exactly what you wanted, kids. I hope you, you got it, you know, the top of the list. You, you got that thing, whatever it was. Um, one of my favorite gifts that I've ever received is one that my wife made for me uh, several years ago. It's a, it's a, uh, it's a, a square of, of wood, and it's, uh, she stained it, and then she, she stenciled on in these white letters the phrase, uh, you, you have my whole heart for my whole life. And it's a, it's a really special, obviously, it's very special to me. It's hanging in my house. Um, and, and I think it, it, it's an example of, of this, uh, just this truth that we see in uh, between, love, between people who love each other, between lovers. Lovers always want to express love. They want to pledge their loyalty. They wanna, they're, they're always trying to say, I love you so much. I love you forever. They want to give themselves to each other. Um, and as we end a year and begin a new one, uh, it, it just felt appropriate uh, to, to me to, to draw us back to the center, and that's to Jesus' love and his love for us. And I thought we could do that through one of the most, what I think is the most shockingly intimate verses in the whole Bible. Um, and that's, uh, that's uh, John 15 and what we just read, ver- and especially verse 9. I want to center on verse 9 this morning, which says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. So we're going to meditate on that this morning and enjoy it. Um, the uh, four things we're going to see, four questions we'll ask today. What is Jesus saying here? Uh, why did he say this? How can we obey this? And what difference does it make? Why does it matter? What's he saying? Why? How do we obey? And then what difference does it make? Let's pray and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll dive in. Jesus uh, we ask for your help now. Uh, Lord, we will never understand this, probably. I don't think we ever will. Um, but, but we'll never understand this to the, to the uh, extent that, that you would like us to. That's possible uh, here and now. If you don't come and you don't help us, you don't open our, our eyes, open our hearts, um, open our minds to you and to your word and what you have to say. Um, Father, for, for we who, who trust you, who are believers... Uh, Lord, we believe your word. We believe. Help our unbelief. Help us how we don't believe these things. Um, And and Lord, for anyone in here who who hasn't experienced your love, I just pray that they would experience it through your your word, by your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. First, what is Jesus saying? What's he saying here? Well, this context we read around, uh, we read 1 through, through 17. 
Uh, this is in the Gospel of John, obviously. The, the Apostle John is writing this. And this is Jesus' farewell address in the Gospel of John. So in John 13, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Judas goes out to betray him. Then uh, in kind of four, or the end of 13 through uh, 17, Jesus uh, gives this farewell address to his disciples. Uh, 18, chapter 18 is where he's arrested and he's taken to be crucified. And so this is some of the most clear and direct and personal and, and intimate and kind of emotionally charged teaching that Jesus uh, gives to his disciples. He, he talks to them in, uh, and he teaches to the, the crowds in parables often, right? And you read it and you go, what, what is he talking about? And the disciples said the same thing. Jesus, what does this mean? Um, but, but in these chapters, he's speaking very clearly, very directly to them uh, because he wants them to know something before he goes. And this chapter, verse 15, or chapter 15, sorry, contains the last of the seven I am statements in John. John structures his gospel around these seven I am statements. I am uh, the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. Right? These I am statements. And this last, uh, this last I am statement is I am the vine and you're the branches. And that's what, what uh, this, this uh, section is about. And so Jesus lays out this, this metaphor of the vine and the branches. And I think verses 4 and 5 really encapsulate, uh, encapsulate this teaching. Remain in me and I in you. Just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Okay, so he introduces this this verb, remain. Some translations say abide. Um, uh, and and this, this, this is a really important, I think, concept, and we're going to spend a lot of time on it this morning because I think it helps us to understand what verse 9 really means. Um, ju- just as a branch won't grow, or sorry, an, an apple won't grow on a, on a branch, on a tree, uh, unless it, it, it remains, it stays connected, stays dependent on the trunk and the roots, right? The branch has to be connected in order to bear fruit. Um, so we're unable to produce fruit if we don't remain, stay connected, stay dependent on Jesus. Uh, the word can mean, the word here remain can mean it's to stick with, right? Unless you stick with Jesus, you won't bear fruit. Some translations, as I said, use the word abide, which is kind of an old English word we don't, we don't use very often. But we we've, may have heard the word abode. You know, that's an old word that means home. It means you're where you live. And so this means something like stay connected to, depend on, stick with, make your home in Jesus. And I like that last one the best, make your home in Jesus. I think that metaphor, uh, has, to me, it, it, makes it, it brings it close. Now this leads up to our verse. Um, Jesus says something I, I think that's truly shocking here, something that I'm not sure we will ever really understand, even in eternity. Um, but but he, he says, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Now, an objection to this, you might think, well, I, I, could that really be true? It may, maybe he's just talking to his 12 disciples, right? That would make sense, his 12 closest friends, or 11 at this point, Judas is gone. Um, you know, he, he's talking with, with them, maybe he's just speaking to them Personally, this doesn't apply to all of us. Because that would be, I mean, this is a big claim, right? So maybe it's not true. Is it just for the 12 disciples? 
No, I don't think so. Uh, and, and here's why. Uh, because of how Jesus prays for us over in chapter 17. I don't know if you know that Jesus actually prayed for you personally in John 17. In, in John 17, it's called the high priestly prayer. Jesus prays for himself. Then he prays for his disciples, his 12. And then he prays for those who will believe in me through their word, through the disciples' word. So he's actually praying for the Christians, right, for the, the rest of the Christians um, in, in world history. That's pretty amazing. But when he, he, he goes there and he says, he's praying, he's praying for our unity, and he says this in 17, I, he's praying, I am, in, I am in them and you are in me so that we, they may be completely one. He's praying for our unity, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Okay? Now, that's not exactly the same. He says, as you, the Father, have loved them. For the Father has loved them, these Christians, as you have loved me. But if the Father loves us just as he loves Jesus, then I think it's safe also to assume that, that 15.9 can also apply to us and not only the disciples. Right? Every Christian, I, I think this is teaching, is brought into the very love of the triune God. Right? The, the, the triune God exists from eternity past in love, infinite love for one another, each person of the Trinity. And we're invited into that reality, that experience. So back to what Jesus says in our verse. Um, Jesus loves you like the Father loves him. Right? That's what it says. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. So just, just focus on this for a second. And, and I just try to get out of like, Okay, it's a sermon. I'll just listen to it. I'll just zone out. Like, like I've been there. I mean, I've listened to sermons, you know. Uh, but, but like you in the seat, like you, like I, I could say a lot of your names. I will. Just don't tempt me. Hey, it's one service. We can go as long as we want in here. Uh, but, but listen, so you in the seat, like you sitting there, Jesus loves you just as the Father loves him. Just imagine that. Like, like if, if you feel comfortable with this, um, just close your eyes for a second. I'll, I'll close mine too, so I'm not looking. If you don't, I don't care. You can keep looking at me. Just, just imagine for a second Jesus saying this to you. Because he is, by his word, through his spirit, right? As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. start to see the, the great truth of the old song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. And then Jesus says, it's not only that, he says, remain in my love. Remember what that word means, remain. Stay connected to my love. Depend on my love. Stick with my love. Make your home in my love. 
this is how much I love you, he says. Never leave that. Never leave it. That's where you live now. Stay here in it. Stick with it. This is, this is where, this is your, your home, my love. And I think this should just, it should just leave us slack-jawed. How can, how can this be? Why did he say this? Why did he say this? Number two, I, I think there's a lot of true answers to that question. Uh, you know, like the father wanted him to, um, or like because he meant it. I think those are true. But I want to point out a, a reason that Jesus himself gives why he, why he said this. He, he actually tells us. It's two verses later, in verse 11. He says, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Told you these things so my joy may be in you, your joy may be complete. Jesus wants you to be filled with joy. Right? Joy, it's a deep happiness, a deep inner peace that no amount of suffering or evil or pain can take away. You can contrast, I think, joy and happiness. Um, it, though, though joy certainly includes happiness, but, but happiness is sometimes cheap and fleeting and false, while joy is rich and deep and true. Um, joy, joy here even includes difficulty, includes pain. I, I don't know if you know this. Even earlier in, in the, the chapter, in verse 2, um, Jesus said, every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. He, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so it will produce more fruit. The Christian life involves pain, involves pruning, it involves take, things being taken away. But, but joy encompasses all that. Jesus wants your joy in that, even in the pain, even in the suffering, even in the sorrow that you go through under the loving hand of the, of the great gardener. Jesus wants your joy. But, but look again at the actual words that he says. I have told you these things. So vine and branches remain in me, remain in my love, keep my commands. I told you these things so that my joy, Jesus says, may be in you. Wow. <laughs> right? Uh, of what quality is the joy that Jesus has, do you think? How, how deep, how rich, how full, how invincible is that joy? And it seems that that's, first of all, what's possible for us. Right? Jesus says that's what he wants. He's told you things so that this will happen. And, and second, he says, this is why I've told you this thing, so that you can be filled with my joy. Remaining in Jesus is a big deal if we want Jesus' joy in us. It's, it's why he told us, why he said these things. But not only that, again, it just, it just keeps getting better, if that's possible. That my joy may be in you, it says, and that your joy may be complete. Your joy may be complete. Now, this is sort of kind of a strange thing to say. How could my joy not be complete if I have Jesus' joy in me? Of course it would be. But I, but I love this because Jesus is not about having robots. 
He's not like every Christian is going to have the same inner experience that I have, you know, no unique qualities. Uh, no, it, I mean, we, do, we will have his joy. That's what he says. Um, but, but second, it'll, it'll be joy that's complete. He wants your joy to be full and mature and complete. Right? This is joy that when you have it, you go, man, I, I have it all. I'm not lacking anything. My joy is full. Now, do you believe that Jesus means this? Do you believe the Bible? I, I just think most of the time we don't. <laughs> I think we don't. We, we, we struggle to believe Jesus' motives. Right? And maybe, maybe it's because of of ways that we struggle, ways that we sin, we just think, God, I just can't, he just can't feel that way about me. And I would just point you back to, to verse 3 of 15. You are already clean, Jesus says to his very uh, imperfect disciples, right? You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Right? They, they've heard the word. They've believed the word. If, you, if you've heard the word of God, if you've believed the gospel, you've believed the good news that Jesus lived and died and rose for you, if he's your Lord and your Savior, you know what? Verse 3 is true for you. You're clean because of the word that he's spoken to you. And this is true. He feels this way about you. He wants your joy like this. Number three, how can we obey this? How can we obey this? How can we, how can we make our home in Jesus' love? Maybe you're, you're like a practical person. I want some practicals. May, hopefully this section will do that for you. Um, Bible, uh, the, a Bible commentator, Dale Bruner, uh, he, he has my favorite commentary on the book of John. And he breaks out four ways that we can remain, we can make our home in Jesus. By tracking this verb... The, the verb remain through the gospel of John. Okay, so there, this, this, this verb, this word remain, abide, it shows up several times in the gospel of John. And so he uses those to say, here's some practical ways that we can actually do this, which maybe is kind of, I, I think it's really cool. Maybe it's a Bible nerdy kind of thing. Uh, but but here, here's what he says, these four things. One, it says we make our home with Jesus by prayer in response to preaching. All right, and this is John uh, 1.35, I'm not going to have it up there, but if you want to turn to it, feel free. Uh, I'll, but I'll read it. It says, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, this is John the Baptist. Uh, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God, right, which is what all good preaching does. Look, the Lamb of God, right, look at Jesus, check him out, he's the one. That's what John, John did. And, and these, these, these disciples, verse 37, the, the two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? That word staying is the word remain. Where are you remaining? Verse 39, come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, remaining, and they stayed, remained with him that day. Okay, so the first way that we can uh, remain and we can make our home in the love of Jesus is by Prayer in response to preaching, right? When we hear 
preaching, and this is how you, first, you start to remain in Jesus. You hear about Jesus. You hear about, that he, about his love for you. You hear that he died for you, that he rose from the dead, that he's alive. And you go, where are you staying? I, I got to go, find that guy. I, got, I, need to, I need to interact with him. I need to talk with him. And so in prayer, you talk honestly with God. Right? This is, what, this is how you become a Christian. You, you confess, God, I need you. Please help me. I believe you. Right? And, and then, uh, and, and by doing that, you begin to stay with Jesus. You begin to remain in him. And it's not just the, when you first become a Christian, but every time, right? Every time we read God's word, every time we hear God's word taught, every time we hear preaching, what should we do? We should go to God. We should turn to him and, and talk honestly to him. That's the way that we remain in him. We make our home in him. Second, we make our home in Jesus or with Jesus in his meal. In his meal, which is communion. Um, and this is John 6, uh, verse 53 through 56. This is during the sermon uh, where Jesus says, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood uh, or, or you have no part with me. And it's, it's a sermon that's, you know, if you imagine being there, it's a really strange one. Without, without the, the context of communion and what that means in his death and his burial and resurrection, it, it's really easy to understand why a lot of his disciples left at that point. Um, because they thought, this is weird. But toward the end of that sermon, he says this. So Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, drink his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, because my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. And here it is. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Okay, so, so by the, the weekly, as we do here at... Redeemer, uh, by the weekly taking of communion, eating his meal together as he commanded, right, his body, his blood, by this Eucharistic fellowship together, we continue to make our home in the love of Jesus. We continue to proclaim together the Lord's death until he comes. We continue to remember and to celebrate the presence of Jesus with us. And so we make our home with Jesus in his meal. And this is one of the reasons why, why church is so important, <laughs> you, right? We, we, we take it together. You, you don't, communion by yourself isn't really communion. It's, it's not together. It's not fellowship, right? We do this as a church. We do this together. Um, and and we, we make our home with Jesus through this communion. Number three, we make our home with Jesus by continuing in Jesus' word. By continuing in Jesus' word. John 8 Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him. So these are people who said, well, I, I'm in. If you continue in my word, you are really my disciples. Right? Continue. That, that's the word remain. If you stay, if you stick with, if you remain, if you make your home in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay, so it's by remaining in his word, by loving his word, by, like Colossians 3.16 says, having his word dwell richly in us, by memorizing, by internalizing, by living out. Like we live on, man does not live by bread alone. We live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Um, and so by, by making our home in his word, uh, by continuing in his word, we make our home in him and in his love. And then four, and most specifically, we make our home in Jesus by keeping his command of loving one another. And this is from our passage um, from, from John 15. If you keep my commands, verse 10, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. 
And then he says, this is my command, verse 12, love one another as I have loved you. So, so we make our home in Jesus by loving each other, by truly wanting the best for each other, by, by giving our lives away for our friends. This is what it, what it means. This is how we remain in Jesus and in his word, just as Jesus loved us and remained in the Father, kept his commands. So summary, we, we, by, through prayer, in response to preaching, Christ-centered preaching, we hear of Christ, we go, yes, Lord, I want that. I, I, I love you. We talk to him honestly. Two, living in community where we're eating communion and the commu- taking the communion meal together. Uh, three, hearing and obeying Jesus' word. And, and lastly, loving each other, loving one another as he's commanded. This is how we can remain in the love of Jesus. Now, lastly, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? Well, a, a lot of difference. <laughs> All the difference. I think we can say a few things. One, it's fruit. We'll bear fruit. Uh, this is verse 5. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. In verse 16, I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. If we make our home in Jesus and in his love, we will produce fruit. That's what it says. It will produce fruit that lasts. This is the only way to produce fruit that lasts. I, I think we all want to be useful and we want to be helpful. We want to make a difference. We, if you're a Christian, you want, to, you want God to use you. You want to be used in other people's lives to, to point them to the Lord, to serve people, to help people. But, but there are a lot of, of ministries um, and Christians who are producing a lot of fruit that isn't fruit at all. Because they aren't connected to the vine. Right? We've all seen this. And if we're honest, we've all done this. We've all been there. Francis Schaeffer famously said, you have to do the Lord's work in the Lord's way. You can do the Lord's work. You can do ministry in your own power. And it can produce a lot of fruit. But that fruit rots on the vine. It doesn't last. It's not connected. We have to do the Lord's work in the Lord's way, connected to him, remaining in him out of, out of an overflow of our relationship with him. But if we are connected, if we remain, right, if we make our home in his love, then we will bear fruit. And Jesus wants that for you. He wants you to bear fruit. Second, it, it, what difference does it make? Answered prayer. Answered prayer. That's twice in this passage, verse 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Do you want God to answer your prayers? A result of remaining in Jesus' love is that we're effective in prayer. Isn't that what it says? We ask, we'll ask things that are in line with God's will. And the Father will hear us and answer us. You can't separate prayer from a relationship with God. Right? Prayer is not a formula. It's not like, it's not a, a, an equation where you just plug in the right, 
you know, actions, and if you kneel enough a certain amount of time, and if you light the right candle, and if you burn the incense, and if you say the, the you know, if you speak in King James English, like, Lord, thou hast blessed me, right? And like, then he'll, he'll do it. It's not, it's not like that. It, it's, it's from a relation. It's a relationship. Right? What, what is prayer if it doesn't come from the place of being at home in Jesus' love? Jesus wants to answer your prayers. Number three, I think is joy. What difference does it make? Well, joy. We already talked about this one, but I just think we need to, again, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you, your joy may be complete. To state the obvious, uh, joy doesn't come from money or stuff or the right school for your kids, or from vacations, or from a a good reputation and resume, or from a position of, of influence and power that you can attain. Joy doesn't come from someone's approval or from from competing with a rival and, and beating them. Joy doesn't come from a day off, from a week off, or from a month off, or from a year off, or from retirement. Nothing from a bottle can provide you lasting joy. Joy doesn't come from or depend on your health. Marriage is not the source of joy. Kids cannot be depended on for joy. Parents, amen, right? Family harmony, financial stability, a comfortable life can't grant you joy. Sexual liberation, world travel, accomplishing your most ambitious stretch goals for the new year won't give you joy. And it's not that that many of these experiences and relationships and people and things can't make you happy to some extent. They, of course, can. Uh, But to, to quote the great theologian Chris Stapleton, I've looked for love in all the same old places. Found the bottom of the bottle is always dry. Right? The story of the modern West is one, I think, of looking for joy in all the same old places and finding the, bottle of the, the bottom of the bottles always dry. Jesus wants to give you more joy than you can handle. Right? What's the verse in the Psalms? Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. How do you get it? (laughs) By remaining in his love. By remaining in his love. And just think of that. Just think of that stipulation. (laughs) How generous is that? Like he could have said, you have to journey to Jerusalem and go to the top of the mountain and say this prayer or something. Like you you have to pay a lot of money to get joy. Like he could have given you anything. But no, what does he say? Just make your home and how much I love you. Would you refuse that offer? Fourth, what difference does it make? Well, it makes a difference in how we love each other, right, in loving each other. Really, this is, if you take a look at this whole passage, it just is so clearly developed. Uh, But the logic is, remain in my love and love one another. It's kind of a virtuous cycle. It's like, remain in my love and you will love one another. If you love one another, you'll remain in my love. And as you remain in my love, you'll love one another, right? This is how, this is, it builds on itself. 
as we remain in Jesus' love, we will have the ability to love each other in the same way. We, again, if, you're, if you want to love people, don't you? I want to. I want to love people well. We are often so unloving, and it's just a direct result of not remaining in Jesus' love. We, we don't have love to give in ourselves. Like, our resources are so limited, <laughs> so depleted, right? It's not, our, it's not your fault. Like, we're not the vine. We're not the source. Jesus is the source. He's the vine. If we want to be able to love people well, without strings attached, without manipulation, without guile or strain or holding you know, back our real feelings, if we want to love people naturally and easily, we have to abide to remain, to depend on, to stick with, to live in Jesus. Jesus wants to fill you with all the love you need to truly love others. He has plenty. Now, as a, just a closing question, what could Jesus have said? What could he have said that is more intimate, more personal, more vulnerable, more wonderful than this? I've just been thinking about this verse. This verse is 15 words. You can count them. I know you want to count them. Go ahead. <laughs> 15 words. Right, I would just challenge you to come up with a hypothetical verse that God made flesh could say to you that is more intimate, more personal, more vulnerable, more wonderful, more clear, more loving than John 15, 9. Try to think of something better. I can't. Lovers always want to give themselves to each other. They want to express their devotion, their never-ending love, their passion for the other, to be happy and complete and full of joy, their promises to never leave, never change their mind. I'll love you forever. That's what all the love songs say. Lovers pledge themselves to each other in body, soul, and mind. And if I can say this just in the most reverent way possible, Jesus has pledged himself to you. Isn't, isn't that what it says? Isn't that clear just from the verse? Despite knowing everything about you, despite knowing your life and your heart better than you do yourself, he said this, as the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Remain in my love. And then he sealed it with his blood. He sealed it with his blood. He died out of love for you. Verse 13, right of 15, says, no, no one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is the best friend. He's the greatest friend imaginable. He laid down his life for us. He's the greatest lover. He's the greatest Lord. There's no one like him. Won't you respond in kind? Won't you give yourself to him? 
for the first time or, or for the 10,000th time? Won't you turn to him? Won't you, won't you respond to Jesus as he has given himself to you? Why, why do we hold back? What could he possibly do to prove his love to be more true, more real, more trustworthy? Right, as we said this morning, his faithful love endures forever. It's true. It's true. Let's pray. Jesus, um, this is so wonderful. You are so wonderful. There's no one like you. There's no Lord like you. There's no friend like you. There's no one who loves us like you love us. Jesus, thank you for being so, so clear. Thank you for speaking these things so clearly to us through your word and by your spirit this morning. And we love you too. Oh, we want to be yours. All the blockages in our heart, all the, the ways that we, we are lazy and cavalier and, and, uh, and sinful and uh, rebellious and the ways that we close our eyes and close our hearts and turn away from you. Lord, just take, just take all that. <laughs> take it away. Would you open us up to receive the love that you have for us? You're so kind. You're so gracious. You're so patient. We thank you. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.